What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Welcome to the Boneyard with Steve Robertson. As always, I am your good friend and host, Steve Robertson, here on the Hump Day edition of the Yard. Hope things are well with you wherever you are today. I didn't stay up late last night. Writing process is tiring me out. You're happy to know, though, I'm in the second half of the book now. Matter of fact, uh, the, next, the chapter I'll write today is the last se- uh, series of the regular season against the University of Alabama. So how this thing is going to break out, basically, is you're going to have a chapter for each week of the season, you know, starting with, um, you know, the trip out to Texas and ending with the College World Series final at Vanderbilt. But also, too, there'll be some chapters with some pretty uh, pretty heavy interviews with some uh, Mississippi State baseball personalities that you're going to want to know about. But I'm excited about it. So I will finish up this writing process this month, which is very, very quick. It's required a lot, a lot of time of effort and effort. Uh, but it's basically all I do right now, and uh, working on it. You're working on the actual writing four days a week, doing some editing and some uh, other business type stuff. We will release a cover here in the next few days. Waiting on a couple more proofs before we finalize uh, that, and then we'll have the pre-order option available for you guys too. But it's good; it's going well. And uh, matter of fact, the uh, ed- editors have already completed, I guess, 12 rounds of edits. The first 12 chapters. Those have been edited. They'll be sent back to me for approval, and we'll get them in the can as quick as we can. So we're going to lay this thing out really, really quickly. And uh, I'm ta- I've got a pretty rigorous writing schedule, but also, too, I'm not forcing the issue. I'm scheduling some days off kind of in between so I can go to the movies and sit around and watch Netflix and that sort of stuff and let the mind rest a little bit. But, um, but yeah, so I didn't stay up last night and record because it was a writing day, and, and um, you know hopefully we'll be able to do it on Thursday. We'll kind of see how things progress. Uh, I will be at Lemuria Books this Saturday from 2 to 3. Lemuria Books in Jackson, Mississippi from 2 to 3. Come out and say hello. Uh, they've got all my books. So if you have not you know, updated your reading list, you can come by and get that handled and uh, come by and say hello. Blooms of Oleander will be available for purchase there. Of course, Flim Flam, Alpha Dogs, and Start Villains. That's this Saturday at Lemuria Books uh, in Jackson, Mississippi. And then we'll have a really busy signing schedule this fall. And so we'll do the regular game day signings around Starkville. You know, we'll book Martin Cafe, the Lodge, Campus Book Mart, all those places. And, uh, you know, maybe we do one with Maroon and Company as well. We'll see how things go. But we'll have game day signings. And then, you know, the book will be out towards the end of football season. That's Dogpile. So it'll be out in plenty of time for the holiday season. And, again, the pre-order link will be up sooner rather than later. That's what's going on with all of that. Today we're going to talk some football. Got a great top ten list for you. Going to do some real rock today. Some real rock. 
apparently you guys weren't overly impressed with the Bruno Mars list. You know, we, we try to add some things just to provide a little bit of, uh, you know, variety, I guess. And so Roy and I have talked about it and said, hey, we've got a lot of requests for some of these pop artists. Let's do some of those. That one hadn't done so well. You guys like rock and you like country. So we're going to do as much of that as we can. I'm more of a rock guy than a country guy, and sometimes I have to reach out to uh, some country music experts. But, but usually what I do is when we decide to go on a list, like I'll listen to that artist catalog like for a day or so, and then listen to more of those songs that are hits that maybe I'm not quite as familiar with, and then I put a list together. So my country list may not match your list. You know, I feel very confident about my rock list. I think I could talk rock music with anybody. And this band today that we're going to do is one that I have every album. I even have their uh, solo projects, too. Really excited. I can't believe we hadn't done this list. I texted Roy, and I says, are we sure we haven't done this? We're 100% sure. So we're going to bring in one of the 80s greatest rock bands, probably one of the most underappreciated rock bands of the genre, because there are a lot of 80s rock bands that had, like, big hits, but then the rest of the album was just kind of filler. Not these guys. Just about every song on every album sounds like a single. You can just push play on track one and let that thing roll. And you don't feel like you've missed anything because uh, it's all great. Remind you, too, when you're in town, go see Bulldog Burger Company. Great people, great food, great prices, and you got three locations now to serve you. Right here on University Drive in Stark Vegas, Gloucester Street there in Tupelo. Matter of fact, I recommended that to a friend on Facebook earlier today. And then Lake Harbor Drive there in Ridgeland. And, listen, and we've had so many of you that have reached out and said, Steve, how great this new location is. Weren't sure what to expect, you know, because like the one in Starkville is so great. Sometimes you wonder, can they replicate that magic somewhere else? Well, they have. They absolutely have it at every location. A lot of consistency with the performance, with the atmosphere, with the food, the prices. I tell you guys all the time, the portions are just absolutely phenomenal. A lot of places you go eat, you don't get your money's worth. You leave feeling, you know what, didn't quite get there. Not at Bulldog Burger Company. More times than not, you're going to bring it home with you. You're always going to leave a little something behind because they do such a great job. Bulldog Burger Company, a great company to play, to work, a great place to eat. If you're looking for work, it might be a good place for you to check in. Again, that's Bulldog Burger Company, the place where people go to meet. M-E-A-T. While we are still basking in the glow of the national championship. But, man, that feels so fun to say. I mean, it does, doesn't it? I mean, it's been so many years we've had a great team or we've gone to Omaha or we've hosted a regional or, man, we made the Supers. Man, we're national champs. I'm never going to get over it. I'm just going to tell you now. I'm going to be obnoxious about it. I I talked to uh, my buddy Bo Bounds yesterday and talked to Blake Scott yesterday. And, you know, it's just like I'm, I'm not tired of it. Just not tired of talking about it. But today, we're going to start our first of the football previews for Mississippi State's opponents. We're going to look at Louisiana Tech today. We'll see them here in a month. Pretty exciting times to think about that. That's the great thing about having, you know, kind of a well-rounded athletics department is we don't get a lot of time off. You know, we just got done playing baseball a month ago. And so we went right from the College World Series and uh, ordering, you know, thousands of dollars of, uh, of national championship gear right in the media days, and then we start fall football camp Friday. So the next time that you hear my voice on this show, we're going to be practicing football. So because of the elongated baseball season, you know, the dog days of summer have actually uh, 
you know, got here pretty quick and kind of moved on. Matter of fact, I don't know if you noticed too, uh, my friend Standora that does, I, I've shared that with you guys before. He is kind of my go-to weather guy because he just is obsessed with the stuff. You know, the days are getting shorter in Starkville. I think he said that we're already 40 days, excuse me, 40 minutes shorter since the summer solstice and that we'll be losing about 12 minutes a week or so here in the weeks to come. So it's going to get darker sooner. It's going to start getting cooler. Matter of fact, it's in the 80s, but the humidity is way down. We had a nice little rainstorm a couple days ago. And so I'm looking forward uh, to the cooler weather. I know you guys are as well, but um, again, yeah, just haven't had as much to deal with this year because, you know, I've been on the road and you guys have as well. We've had the distraction of the College World Series, but football season's nearly here. It's crazy to think about. You know, when we were at Top Dog Camp on Friday, I, I thought, well, this is the last camp of the year. This is it. And it was kind of over before we realized it. Now the players are all reporting back. Everybody's getting on campus. We're still waiting on Jacoby Moore. That's the wide receiver out of Harrison Central. Everybody else is present and accounted for. Jacoby uh, finishing up an online test. Not expected to have any issue, but he, you know, he will probably be a guy that reports after the official report date, but should be here before we start school. And because of the fact he did not participate in summer workouts, I know he worked out on his own, but he wasn't here to work out with the team and will probably miss some practice time. You're not expected him to play much this year, if at all. But here's the deal. long as you get him on campus, right? Just get him here. Even if he red shirts, that's fine. We'll get him up and going and uh, expecting a big year from him down the road. But, uh, again, all the other signees are qualified and cleared and we'll be good to go to participate here in fall practice. So let's talk some uh, Louisiana Tech football, shall we? The first thing we're going to do is let's look at last year. Uh, the Bulldogs of Louisiana Tech were 5-5 five and five a year ago. Originally scheduled to play Baylor in the season opener, that game was canceled. They opened and beat Southern Miss at Southern Miss 31-30. You may recall that was one of the earlier games in the year. A lot of people got up to watch that one. Pretty exciting game you recall uh the next week they hosted houston baptist beat them 66 38 they traveled to byu and got drilled 45 to 14 homecoming in ruston was against utep that's a 21 17 win for them so they're three and one four games into the year probably feeling pretty good about life then marshall comes in and beats them 35 17 they lose at texas san antonio 27 26 They beat UAB 37-34 in double overtime. The uh, North Texas game was eventually postponed. Then they had a run there where games were canceled. Rice, UL Monroe, Florida International. They do get North Texas again and beat them 42-31. Of course, that's after having a month off. They didn't play a single game in the month of November due to all the COVID cancellations. And then they traveled to TCU and got beat 52-10. They played Georgia Southern in the RL Carriers New Orleans Bowl and basically didn't show up. It's a 38-3 loss. So this is a decent team last year, but, you know, if you look at their, their losses, I mean, they had, they, most of them you know, were losses where they got blown out by, you know, Power 5 opponents or at least major college teams. There wasn't a lot to feel really good about, though, and that's one of the things you look at this team. It was expected to be, you know, a year. I guess they were kind of recovering a little bit, and it's difficult to judge any coaching staff based on what happened last year. But, you know, looking at their numbers, and uh, I've got them right here in front of me, you know, so let's look at – let's start with quarterback play. Going to return both of these guys. Uh, Luke Anthony was the guy 
for the most part. 138 completions on 221 attempts, five interceptions with a completion percentage of 62 uh, percent, threw for 1,479 yards, 16 touchdowns. Aaron Allen also played. It was kind of a two-quarterback system a lot of the time. 73 completions of 121 attempts, eight interceptions, but completed 60.33 percent, 602 yards, four touchdowns. So you see the ratio there: four TDs to eight picks. Uh, not necessarily great numbers, to say the least. But they were a team, too. You know, Passing-wise, as a team, 216 yards per game. The problem was is that they didn't have a rushing game to go along with it. And so, you know, the pass rush was difficult to, to deal with. But they, in many respects, were kind of one-dimensional because they couldn't run the football. Let's look at the receiving before we get to rushing. Uh, Adrian Hardy. Led them last year, 33 catches, 440 yards, and and four touchdowns. Smoke Harris is a guy that's expected to be back. Uh, Eight games played, 39 grabs, 304 yards, uh, four touchdowns. And they've had some guys that have moved on, too. I mean, it's like you look at this group, too, and and, um, they weren't a great group, but then they lost some of their better receivers, too. Those are the things you kind of look at, too. It's like you didn't have a lot of depth. And then what you had available to you has kind of moved on. And so it's probably good to get them early. Not that I don't think Mississippi State could out-talent Louisiana Tech at any point in the season. But they're going to be kind of figuring some things out. I mean, Skip Holtz has been there, you know, I guess this is his, what, ninth, tenth year up there. But, um, you know, not a great offensive team. And uh, let's look at these uh, offensive, let's look at these starters uh, for the receivers. If I can find my notes here. So, yeah, Smoke Harris is back. Adrian Hardy, the leading re- receiving guy, is gone. Wayne Tucson is gone. C.J. Mowell is all transfer- transferring out. And so, looking back at their numbers, you know, that's, that's the bulk of the deal. Adrian Hardy, I mentioned him as a great guy. Herbert Griffin, uh, 10, 10 games, 19 grabs. Uh, C.J. Powell, 37 catches for 271 yards. You know, so, yeah, you've got some guys that have moved on, including Wayne Tucson. So this is a group that is kind of in transition, you know, just a little bit. You know, they're a team in need of playmakers. They're a team in need, in need of some guys to step up and make plays for them. Uh, we talked a little bit about some of these guys. They mentioned Griffin Herbert is a guy that can stretch the field. And uh, let's take a look at his numbers here just because I think it's important to kind of understand. Yeah, we've talked about him already, you know, 19 grabs. But – they don't return a lot of guys here that have had more than 20 catches. They only had, you know, four guys collectively that had 20 or more catches a year ago, and then three of those four are gone. So that's a wide receiver group kind of in need of, you know, playmakers. They didn't run the ball well last year either. Less than 100 yards a game, 99.2. And you can say, well, Steve, we didn't run it for that much either. Well, we also run the air raid. You know, they're trying to be a little more multidimensional there, have more of a two-pronged attack on offense. Uh, leading rusher last year was Isaiah Tucker, 149 carries for 671 yards, a net of 648, four touchdowns. Justin Henderson, 75 carries, 272 yards, a net of 252 and a couple touchdowns, and uh, he is gone. Both of those guys, Tucker and Henderson, are both gone. And so we talk about needing playmakers at wide receiver – you're going to need playmakers on the ground game, too. And, and you weren't great last year. The offense, 117th in the country. 
And so you begin to think, okay, they weren't good last year, and then you, you lose most of your playmakers at the skill positions outside of the quarterback. Uh, they do return most starters on the offensive line. So that's rather interesting too. You know, so that, that'll help some as these young guys kind of find a sense of themselves. But again, you know, getting them early and playing them before they have a chance to kind of find an identity on offense I think is good for Mississippi State. Now, I'm not going to sit here and poor mouth this thing. Mississippi State should win this ball game no matter when we play it. And historically, we have done really well against Louisiana Tech. Mississippi State 11-3 and all-time against the Bulldogs from Ruston. Uh, we have won four in a row in the series. We actually started playing them back in 1904. We won the first four ball games, and Tech scored a combined five points in those four games. 32 to 5, 47 nothing, 14 nothing, 48 nothing. Tech's first win in the series came in 1968. It was a 2013 win in Starkville. State wins the next three. That's in 80, 87, and 88. Tech finally beats us again back in 96, 38-23. And they beat us again in 08, 22-14. Tim Rattay was the quarterback for one of those, one of the greatest players to ever play at Louisiana Tech. And then State has won the last four. 2011, we win 26-20. That was a Dan Moen year. You remember, that was a tough ball game. Really, really a tough ball game. We found a way to gut it out. The next time we play them in 15, uh, Dan kind of takes them behind the woodshed, 45-20. to 20. We go up there and play them in 17 in Ruston. And you remember we got down in that ball game. You know, we had some trouble with doing some picks early in the ball game. It took us a little while to get going. We went at 57-21. Remember Jeff Simmons had a touchdown in the game. We pretty much did whatever we wanted to do. We made that trip up there. And a lot of people were upset about making the trip. That's kind of beneath us to, to travel to Ruston. Well, we did. We went up there. And a lot of people were, were picking Louisiana Tech to win the ball game. Jamar Smith from Meridian was a quarterback uh, for Louisiana Tech. I'm a big Jamar fan. He didn't necessarily fit what Dan wanted to do, but uh, he thought he had a good career there at Tech, and I uh, wish him the best. Great young man uh, from a great family, for sure. Last meeting, Mississippi State played Louisiana Tech and Starkville back in 2018. That was a 45-3 ball game. There was nothing about that game that made it feel like that the two teams were even close. To be honest with you, I suspect that type of showing this time. I really do. I think that we're going to have pretty much to make our way because I don't think they're going to be able to score. Not to mention the fact that you're going to be going up against a Zach Arnett defense now that has kind of the full complement of its players. You know, we've got, we're going to have a lot more players available for us this year on defense. People forget we were down five safeties last year. At five safeties, it would have missed time, significant time. A couple of them lost for the year. Janari Dean, of course, tours meniscus last year in fall camp, was doing exceptionally well. He was done for the year. We lose Dylan Lawrence. C.J. Morgan wasn't back. Marcus Murphy opts out. I mean, the list goes on and on. You know, corner-wise, we're really good. And now you've got DeCambriano, Richardson, some other guys available. Linebackers who went out and signed a big class. And, and last year, we didn't really generate a pass rush with our front four as much as I think we wanted. But now that we've got another year in the scheme, and I think Randy Charlton can be a real difference maker, you know, up front. So I think Tech offensively is really going to struggle uh, to score. Now defensively, they weren't great either, but they do have some experience returning. That's one of the things if you look at, if you say it's kind of a building block for them defensively, I think they will be better than they were a year ago, and they weren't great. 
427 yards allowed per game and allowed 35 points per game. And that's in, a, that's in an offensive conference. They, they like to score out there uh, in Conference USA. Uh, they're going to lose Milton Williams. Milton Williams, that's a big-time player for them too. That's a big loss in many respects. Milton Williams last year was kind of the anchor of that defensive line, had 44 tackles, 10 for loss, which led the team. Four and a half sacks, a couple quarterback hurries. So they lose him, but they return pretty much everybody else. Tyler Grubbs is a linebacker that they're really excited about. Played in 10 games a year ago, 99 tackles, which led the team. Nine and a half tackles for loss, which was second on the team. A couple of breakups, forced fumble. It's a guy that's going to always run football. So they feel pretty good about that. Secondary is going to return pretty much intact. Uh, their best guy last year was Cedric Woods in many respects. He had 30 tackles, a couple of interceptions, uh, six breakups. B.J. Williamson, another name that, that put some big numbers up. Uh, 56 tackles for him, three picks, three breakups. Um, so they've got some experience back in the secondary, but they'll really be challenged. They haven't seen anything like they're going to see in the air raid. That's one thing, too, I think about, too, that I think a lot of people don't fully appreciate. It's, it's difficult when you're used to playing your base defense to have to go play a drop eight over and over and over again. It's interesting, too, to kind of look at the Tech roster. There may be some names you know over there, too. I'm going to run some of these down for you. You know, Louisiana Tech spent a lot of years recruiting uh, Mississippi. They got a handful of guys there. Uh, Demarcus Gordon out of Tunica, out of Rosafort. You may remember him. State recruited him. He was projected as a non-qualifier. Went to Colin. Now he's at Louisiana Tech. That's a name that you'd be somewhat familiar with you, uh, for sure. Not as many Mississippi guys on the roster this time through, though. Uh, Marcus Crosby, a running back out of Press Christian there in Hattiesburg, Mississippi, will be there. You know, PCS has had a pretty good run on running backs here in recent years. You know, they, they have sent one to Ole Miss, and uh, they've had some good players, for sure. That's a program that's on the rise, for sure. Uh, also, Jamison Kelly out of Columbia High School. Yes, the Columbia High School. That's my high school. Jamison's the guy that Mississippi State looked at. Didn't offer, just kind of evaluated him. And if I'm not mistaken, he played the Mississippi-Alabama All-Star game. Almost positive that's correct. And then Michael Gauze by way of Heinz Community College from Bahalia. Bahalia High School, that's another one that just seems to just churn out prospects on the regular. It seems like every year they've got a guy that uh, either is a, you know, Power 5 or Major D1 guy right out of high school or a guy that bounces back after after junior college. I tell you this, though, looking at the roster, there is a ton of transfers on this roster. Kelton Holland's offensive lineman comes in from TCU. Austin Kendall, a quarterback, has been to West Virginia and to Oklahoma. He is a grad transfer, but, uh, you know, we'll see what kind of things develop with that. Miles Mason, you remember him? Former Mississippi State commitment, Miles Mason. Went to Arkansas, you know. Had a coach at his high school that felt like that was the best thing for him to do. Kind of pushed him to Arkansas. Well, he transferred. Now he's a Louisiana Tech. Probably a chance we see him. They got him listed at 5'6". There's no way that's correct. Uh, Khalil Ladner is a DB, a grad transfer from Virginia Tech. And, and that's an experienced group back there already. Elijah Hamilton, also a DB. It's a grad transfer from Vanderbilt. Marcus Williams, Jr., a running back from Appalachian State. Keon Henry Brooks, running back. You ought to be familiar with him. State recruited him a little bit, too, at a high school. Also transferring in from Vanderbilt. 
Chris Fournier, an offensive lineman grad transfer from Ontario by way of Lehigh. Samuel Emulus, wide receiver grad transfer out of Montreal, Quebec. The Canadian connection showing up in Ruston uh, by way of UMass and uh, Veneer College. Bub Means, wide receiver transfer from the University of Tennessee, Balaam Buchanan, DB also from the University of Tennessee. And so they have, uh, you know, they've reached out, kind of worked the portal pretty well. We'll see how things progress. But yeah, they got a bunch of guys on here. I mean, there's a couple more guys, too. I'll just give you notables here. Samuel Williams, offensive lineman, 6'7", 319, grad transfer from Louisiana Monroe. D.J. Brown, defensive back out of uh, Penn State, also transferred. Isaiah Graham, wide receiver, senior from uh, TCU, originally from Bastrop, Louisiana. So you can see this roster is in an overhaul in many respects, but I think also, too, you know, Holtz has probably got it, feels a little pressure to win. I mean, he's been there forever and a day, it seems, almost a decade. And you knew last year was going to be a rebuilding year. And so you go out and you work a transfer portal hard to get some guys in. So, again, not a lot of time to build cohesion, uh, to say the least. They may be better this year. I don't think they're better in week one. I really don't. Granted, you get the benefit of fall camp to work on some Mississippi State install and that sort of stuff. It's difficult when you've got all these moving parts, and especially when on offense you lose your best playmakers at receiver, you lose your best playmakers at running back, and your leading returning rushers barely over 100 yards, and you're a team that wants to be two-dimensional. Let's take a look at the schedule and just kind of see you know, what, what it looks like for these guys this year. Not expected to do a whole lot. Uh, they open with us, and then they get southeastern Louisiana at home. Then they get SMU at home, North Texas at home. So pretty good stretch there after they get through Mississippi State. You get three games at home. A couple of those should be winnable. We'll see how what SMU looks like. Then they're on the road at NC State, on the road at UTEP. They host Texas San Antonio. They're at Old Dominion, at UAB. They host Charlotte Southern Miss and close out the year with Rice. So, you know, the non-conference schedule, you look at it and say – it's really not that daunting outside of the two Power Five opponents. So you know the schedule is somewhat manageable. You know we'll see how things progress for those guys, but um, they're going to be better as the season goes along. And I know that sounds like a you know just one of those truisms. I mean everybody should improve over the course of the season as they get more comfortable. But with all these new transfers coming in, and the fact that so many positions on the two deep are up for grabs. You know, I think it's going to be a while before they kind of settle their rotation and kind of figure out who they can trust. And so I do expect State to win this ball game. I don't think it's one that we have to worry about. I know we can't assume anything, but I expect Mississippi State to be ready to roll, and I think State's going to run over these guys. And the odds makers do too. As it stands today, State, you know, what, a 26, 27-point favorite, somewhere around there. And so this is a chance, I think, for State to kind of get out and stretch your legs just a little bit, get the fan base excited. You know, we need to go out there and have a big win. We, and the, the main thing I think what State fans want to see more than anything else is just see some consistency on offense. They want to see us go out there and move the football with regularity, not have a bunch of drops. And we did a pretty good job of that last year. We did have some. But we just got to see better execution on offense. And I think that's the thing that Mississippi State fans want to see more than anything else. Yeah, we go out here and beat these guys two or three touchdowns and still walk away feeling bad about the game, even though it's game one. 
they always say everybody makes the biggest improvement between uh, you know, game game one and game two. You know, maybe that's the case for the season as well. But, you know, we didn't have the benefit of spring practice last year. And then, you know, summer workouts were so fragmented. There are times you had to shut things down. Sometimes you had to limit guys from participation, that sort of stuff. And it was difficult to get everybody together. Well, now you've had a season under your belt. You've had the benefit of spring practice. Now you're through summer without any, any interruption. Now you're about to begin fall camp. And listen, go ahead and get ready now. They're going to be some of those, you know, Corona bros that are – that will gleefully report, you know, when certain programs have to shut down operations. And there were a lot of people last year, as you guys know, that were kind of rooting against college football. And I think, you know, it's, it becomes this cult of personality thing where it's like sometimes we get so consumed with being right, we forget about what we're arguing about. You know, college football was something that the nation needed last year. It wasn't just a step towards normalcy. I think it was one of those things, too, that – you know, we had been cooped up for so long and so many things have been canceled that we loved. We needed something to enjoy that kind of drew us together as a people. I mean, I had I had so many losses last, last year like many of you, and a lot of people just, you know, really battled depression. And I think college football and professional football, for that matter, really all sports kind of bring us together. But because of the fact that Greg Sankey and those guys really worked hard, you know, behind the scenes to make some things happen, it benefited everybody. And we crowned the national champion really without issue. Yeah, well, there's some movement around with games. Absolutely, there were. There were. Now, a lot of the contact tracing rules are a little different this go-around. Yeah, if you're vaccinated, you don't have to deal with some of the same protocols you did a year ago. And everybody wonders about, you know, vaccination percentage and that sort of stuff. Listen, they're not going to make that stuff public. I know some schools out there have said that they you know, have certain numbers or whatever. Mississippi State's not going to do that, nor should they. Now, I understand there's this threshold that's established about testing, and you know, I'm, I'm like all of you. I, I just want us to be able to play the season without issue. I, I do, and I think there is a greater good that has to be considered here. But we're not going to make those numbers public. Just might as well go ahead and get ready for that. I know people want them to be public, but not everything is, you know, should be up for public consumption. That's a reality of life especially when it, when it relates to somebody's medical condition. It's one thing to see, you see a guy get hurt on a football field during a football game and you see him get up favoring his knee and you kind of hope, hope it's just a sprain. You know, in those situations, maybe it is better to share. Hey, you know, listen, yeah, it, it looked really bad like it did with Jaden Wally in a spring game, but he's fine. But when it comes to something like this, you know, I, I don't think it's probably something that should be shared. And I know a lot of people feel like, you know, I pay my, I pay my Bulldog Club membership dues, I buy season tickets, I should have a little more access. I don't know that we have, should have access to people's health. You know, Dan Mullen was real interesting about the, uh, the, the uh, injury report. You know, Joe Moorhead would get, kind of give you an upper body, lower body type deal, not really in specifics. But none of them had to deal with vaccinations and things of that nature. So... I'm not here to make a political statement on this day or any other day. But you're not going to get those numbers. But I also think we're not going to have the postponements and the cancellations and all that sort of stuff. Bulldog fans, rodeo season is here. That's right, the Dixie National Rodeo. Get ready to roll, man. And uh, I remember being a kid, that was like the biggest highlight for us. My grandmother would get us tickets every year. And me and my brother would wear our cowboy outfits. We'd put our boots on, have our chaps, our vest. And we go up there, and just in case one of the cowboys got a little bit scared to get on a horse or a bull, we were willing to do it. 
Yeah, for sure. Guys, boots aren't just for going out to a country western bar and doing a little boot scooting. Maybe you got a little Texas two-step in your game. Tacovas can make you look better than ever. Absolutely. And here's the deal, too. That's the thing, the versatility of Tacovas is you can wear them somewhere nice or you can live life where you don't go gently. That's what Tacovas does for you. Yeah, it's a rugged, handsome boot. It's my favorite boot brand, and it should be yours, too. Be sure and check them out. Tacovas believes in Western for all people, and you can feel that when you go into their stores, when you walk in, you'll be greeted like family, offered a boot shine and a drink, and maybe even an adult beverage if you prefer, and you can get custom-fitted for a new pair of Tacovas boots. You can get custom leather stamping or branding, whatever you need to make it feel somewhat individual. Look up your closest store at tecovis.com. But if you can't make it to a store, Tecovis delivers the most premium quality and most comfortable Western goods right to your door. Visit tecovis.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. And you know what, partner? Point your toes west. Today's podcast is brought to you by Nerd Wallet's Smart Money Podcast. What's the best way to help you and your finances thrive? The answer can be overwhelming with all the financial misinformation out there. Fortunately, you can turn to Nerd Wallet's objective finance journalists to set things straight and help you make smart decisions with your own money. The nerds have helped me get smarter about things like planning for my tax bill so I don't dread April every single year. Managing finances with a partner without causing a breakup. Putting away more money for retirement since I'm not going to do this podcast forever. Sorry, folks. And also boosting my credit score since good credit is like a real-life cheat code. Saving for an emergency fund because life is like a good movie. It loves a good plot twist. The nerds also explain the real impact that the latest financial headlines could have on your life. Weekly financial check-ins with smart money help you spend more time doing what matters and less time worrying about what doesn't. Let NerdWallet's trusted experts untangle today's web of financial misinformation. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app. Future you will thank you. That we had a year ago. I think we've done enough, you know, to kind of advance, uh, you know, maybe the vaccine protocols to the point that, uh, you know, there's a comfort level with all this stuff. Now, the latest information that I have, too, about crowds at Mississippi State is that the current plan is to be full capacity but everybody is still monitoring you know the current strain they're still monitoring the numbers you know you're beginning to see you know some states and some uh, some cities out there that are you put mask mandates in again that hasn't happened here yet you know Tate Reeves the governor of Mississippi has you know been kind of reluctant to do things maybe in step with the national um, you know, media or even the national lobby. So I don't know what he's going to do. I know they have made a big deal about, you know, a lot of the infections and more serious hospitalizations related to this Delta variant are among the unvaccinated. And of course, everybody kind of panics a little bit and say, hey, let's go back to doing what we did before. Just don't know how that's going to affect us moving forward. So I'm not going to give you any code of conduct at this point. But I can tell you, based on the conversations that I have had in the last couple of days, the current plan is to be at full capacity when we play Louisiana Tech. And I know you want a more, you know, a more 
absolute answer. It's like, hey, we're not going to go backwards on this thing. We're not going to have an issue. I'm going to be able to go watch the Bulldogs play. You know, we had a lot of that last year, you know, due to protocols. We just couldn't, you know, we had to limit attendance around the country. And a lot of people were like, you know what, I didn't get to go last year, Steve. Don't tell me I can't go this year. Well, I'm telling you right now, you can go. But it's important to kind of understand that we're still dealing with something that is highly unpredictable. And that no amount of governmental oversight or policy or protocol or protection can predict what's going to happen next. Are we in a better situation than we were a year ago? Without question. That doesn't mean we're out of the woods. So take whatever steps that you feel necessary to protect yourself. I'm a firm believer in personal accountability and responsibility and personal choice. So if you believe that you need to stay home, stay home. If you believe that you should wear a mask, then wear a mask. If those kind of things don't bother you, do what you want to do. I'm, I'm a live and let live guy. And so I also understand sometimes people and you know put these things upon me that I don't always agree with. And I go along with it for the greater good. But I can't say I'm always happy about it. But as of now, we're expected to play with cowbells clanging and a full family reunion when the Bulldogs get together with Louisiana Tech the first weekend in September. My hope is you can make it and come be a part of that. Top 10 list brought to you by CloseWithBlair.com. That's Blair Chandler. known Blair a long time. Great guy. Bulldog fan. Got a place here. Season ticket holder. Been in the mortgage business 21 years. There's a lot of people that break into the industry. They don't always stay. It's kind of a meat grinder. You know, it's, it's chicken one day, feathers the next, you know. And so you need somebody that, number one, has had a record of success. I got it, seen it all, done it all. And that's Blair. Blair has, uh, can help you with your, your first purchase, your refi, your next purchase, maybe a home equity line of credit. There's just all kind of things that they can help you work through, whether you be a guy that, uh, you know, wants to do a fixer-up or maybe you and your wife have said, you know what, I've always loved that house, but it's going to require a big investment for us to get the way we want it. Well, talk to Blair. He can tell you how to make it all happen for yourself. Go to CloseWithBlair.com. That's CloseWithBlair, B-L-A-I-R.com, and get all your information together. And listen, even if you're not quite ready now, you're just thinking, you know what, hey, sometime in the next year, I'm going to buy a house. Go ahead and get ready. Get purchase ready now. Go ahead and get pre-approved. And you kind of know what you're looking for. If you want Blair's number, I'll give it to you. But please don't give it out because this is just between friends. Blair is, uh, yeah. listen, I believe in doing business with Bulldogs, and that's who Blair is. And listen, even if you're not a state fan, he'll still do, your, he'll still do a great job for you on your mortgage. I just think if you're a Mississippi State guy, you get a little more incentive to use that guy. 601-500-2344. Again, that's 601-500-2344. Again, that's closeofblair.com. Whether it be a conventional loan, VA, there is if, if there is a loan that can be done, Blair's a guy to talk to. All right, today's top 10. Not one of Blair's favorite bands, but it should be. It's Dockin'. We're going to be rocking with Dockin' today. One of the more underappreciated bands of the 80s heavy metal genre. And they're really not that heavy. They have some songs that have some, have some crunch to them. But they were really more of the MTV, kind of a radio-friendly rock. So they appealed to a greater audience. I've met Don Dockin. I've met George Lynch. These guys are incredible. 
not just incredible people, but incredible musicians. Saw Don uh, and George play a show down in Biloxi last year before the world went crazy. I'd met George Lynch before, and I can tell you he is probably the most down-to-earth rock star I've ever met. He's just like one of us. He just happens to have a cool job and is incredibly talented. He can melt your face. So I have every docking album. You should, too. If you don't, you're missing out. And here's the thing that I'll tag you to about docking. As I kind of mentioned in the uh, tease earlier in the show, there were a lot of bands out there that had like one or two good songs on an album, and then the rest of the album was complete trash. And there was a lot of that in the 80s, and there's a lot of it today too, but there was a bunch of it in the 80s. Record companies got exceptionally greedy. They're always looking for the next flash in the pan so they can kind of market them and get them on MTV and get some T-shirts printed and that sort of stuff. So they would find a single or two, and then they would rush the album out. And it was just enough because, like, hey, well, hey, why this song was on MTV's Dell MTV. This is great. And then the second song comes out, and you're like, oh, I got to go buy this album, and then the rest of the album is trash. Well, that's not the case with Dokken. Every album, starting with Breaking the Chains all the way through, you know, things kind of changed a little bit after Back for the Attack. But um, every album... Every song sounds like a single, especially the under lock and key and the back for the attack albums. I know a lot of people think Tooth and Nail is the best album. Some of the songs, I think, are the best, some of the better songs in the catalog. The production value on that album was not great. It got better with under lock and key, but it's like the record company wasn't completely convinced that Docking was going to be, you know, a headliner. And so they didn't invest quite as much money. The remasters of those earlier albums are much better. Few honorable mentions. Into the Fire, Walk Away is a song that was on the Beast from the East live album, which is phenomenal. And there was the one single they recorded, a studio single that was a big hit on MTV, Walk Away. And then the opus that is Mr. Scary from Back for the Attack. That's it. Mr. Scary is an instrumental, and uh, George Lynch still plays it live today. Don't Lie to Me, after Under Lock and Key. And then Heaven Sent also off off of Back for the Attack, was a huge hit on MTV. It just missed the top 10 list. Now, because I'm a Dokken fan, I didn't just pick the hits. There are some deeper cuts on here. There are some of my favorite tracks. And so I wanted to to be true to the list. I don't want to just go here and give you a greatest hits list. I'm giving you my top 10 Dokken songs. This will put some hair on your chest right here. Okay, this is this is a group that has a lot of range. They also have a lot of depth. They're not a band that just you know, goes out and does the homogenized power ballad stuff. And yeah, they've got a couple of big ballads. I didn't mention Slipping Away, which is a great ballad. wasn't a big hit for them, but I thought Don Dockin did a great job vocally on that track. But here's the top ten. Number ten, it's Burning Like a Flame, which was the lead track off of uh, the lead single, excuse me, the first single off of Back for the Attack. And I love that album. I think every song, whether it be Prisoner or Night by Night or, um, you know, there's so many other ones on there. I think any any single, any any track on that album could have been released in a single and been a hit. That's how good that album is. Number nine, going back to Tooth and Nail. This is my favorite track most days. There are some, I've got a couple other ones that um, I kind of go back and forth with. But I would say this might be the heaviest docking song in the catalog. I could have made a case for number one for this one, depending on what day you ask me. 
but it's when heaven comes down. And I'm, I'm going to tell you, most of you casual 80s rock fans, you've never heard that song. And when you hear it, you're going to think, holy smokes, where has this been? When heaven comes down from tooth to nail. When It's one of those songs, like one of these days I'm going to do a top 10 of songs to grit your teeth to. This is one of them. It's like I'm just riding down the road and I hear this and it's just, it, it, it impacts me. Number eight off the debut album, Breaking the Change. It's a title track, Breaking the Change. They still play this live too. Uh, when they do, when they're getting along. Breaking the Chains, you know, kind, of, kind of a radio-friendly song, but uh, I do like the song a lot. Number seven, I don't think this was ever released as a single, but it's also off of Tooth & Nail. And again, that Tooth & Nail album, the songs are great. Production value for the album, not so much. But this is one that I think George really excels on. It's, it's Just Got Lucky. I think Don's vocals are great on this one, too. I think it's an underappreciated song in the catalog. Now, the next six songs are probably songs that you've heard on the radio. Number six, their biggest ballad, It's Alone Again. They still sing it, and I heard Don sing it down in Biloxi, and listen, Don's lost a little bit. But I thought he did a really good job on the song. It's kind of, in many ways, kind of his signature song vocally. And I thought he did a pretty good job pulling it off. It, obviously, you know, Don's not what he was in his prime. And there are a lot of these bands that are out touring again, you know, for the first time in many years, you know, playing, you know, casinos and that sort of stuff. And I'm happy to see it. And I was glad to get a chance to meet Don. But I, I thought Lawn Again was great. Number five, and uh, this was one that maybe you guys know. And I could have pushed this one higher. I really could have. But I felt kind of cheesy about it. It's off the Nightmare on Elm Street 3 soundtrack, but it's on the back for the Attack album. It's Dream Warriors. I absolutely love this song. I think George is at his best on this song. The video uh, had a young Patricia Arquette as uh, kind of the main character, you know, Freddy Krueger. I love those Nightmare on Elm Street movies. They got really hokey after about number five. But I love I loved Freddy Krueger as a character. I think not only is he... Uh, you know, a good villain. He's, he's a funny villain. And I think the villains are more are more interesting characters. And Freddy Krueger has a very interesting story. But those Nightmare on Elm Street movies are legit. The first one scared me. I'm not going to lie to you. The first one was scary. The second one kind of got a little bit silly. Three was really good. But they made Freddy more of a comic relief at times. But you should check them out. But they do get a little bit silly after five. Number four, and this is, uh, I love the intro to this, and I love that opening riff. I think Don is amazing vocally. I think Jeff Pilson lays in a really good bass line here, but it's Unchain the Night after Under Lock and Key. Unchain the Night. Never Unchain the Night. Number three, and this is one that was, uh, it was kind of poppy because of the intro. They have this great harmony to open the song, and it, it turns some people off. But it's a great rock song. And uh, I could make a case for this being number one. It probably is their biggest hit. But it's In My Dreams, and that's off Under Lock and Key, really kind of the signature song off of the Under Lock and Key album. Now, here's a little aside about this song that you may not know. So back when, um, when your good friend and host was in the dance scene, I met this guy down in New Orleans. I want to say it was at um, Neo Beach. I'm almost positive it was Neo Beach. And so 
the guy was telling me that he was part of this little put-together dance group called The Party, and they covered In My Dreams and made it a dance song. And it's actually pretty clever. But if you're a true rock fan, you, hear, you find it's only available on YouTube. But when you find it, you're going to be like, oh, my gosh, it's so hokey. I thought it was actually pretty cool. And I, I started thinking, you know, what would it be cool, man, just put some rock riffs together behind a driving bass beat and uh, cover some of those songs and make them kind of dance versions. Never, never did it, but um, it's interesting. But In My Dreams, a great song. Uh, In My Dreams, it's still the same. Your love is strong, it still remains. In My Dreams, you'll always be. So there we go. Number two, and this is one that wasn't a single, but it absolutely kills live. I love George Lynch's work on this one. The warm distortion on this song just absolutely drives me crazy. It is the, the lead track off back for the attack. It's the kiss of death. The kiss of death. She promised paradise with a kiss of death. Great lyrics, great song. The guitar solo is absolutely phenomenal. I don't know why this song wasn't. I believe this is one of those songs that they had, the record company had really pushed uh, as a single, that it would have been one of those iconic songs from the 80s. That's how much I dig it. Number one, the video was great. You saw him riding down the Sunset Strip on the back of a flatbed truck, playing a live show, but it's not love. It's not love. I don't know what it is, but it's not love. And I love the little uh, vocal part in there when uh, when the girl's calling Don, inviting him over, and he's like, no, nah, no, nah, I can't. Well, maybe maybe just tonight. Uh, but it's not love. That's the number one docking song for me. And you know what? You ask me a week from now, I might tell you a different list because I'll be honest with you, of all the lists that I've done of bands that I know really well, this was the most difficult one to put together. I would say the only one close to this one is Tesla because – I am such a fan of the entire catalog. It is difficult for me to, number one, identify 10 songs and then to rank them. Because I could be easily, really, any of these songs in the top six or seven, I could have made a case for them being number one. But if you are a Dokken fan, and maybe just a casual fan, and you've never heard When Heaven Comes Down, you owe it to yourself right now, when the show is over, to go listen to that on iTunes or pull it up on whatever music service that you use, Spotify or whatever, and just crank it. Just close your eyes and just let that great rock spill over you. But as your top 10 list for docking, really happy. I can't believe we hadn't done this one. It's kind of like when we did Cinderella. Are you kidding me? We hadn't done this one yet? We'll do a classic rock group on Friday. If I actually had, I had somebody recently, somebody that you know, reach out and say, hey, have you done this list? And I'm saying, yeah, we've done it. And I go back and look and we hadn't done it. And I've had about 10 of you ask about this list. And I guess you just said, well, you know, Steve would know. Well, Steve didn't know I was wrong. So we're going to do a great classic rock band on Friday. A band that I know that I have done. I've mentioned some songs of theirs on other lists before. But we're going to get this one right. We're going to get give them their own list on Friday. Roy and I have already got it queued up and ready to go. But if you have an idea for the top 10 list, reach out let me know. You can find me on all forms of social media at Scout Steve R. And send me your idea. I might just use it. And there's been, we've gotten so many requests now, it's difficult sometimes to remember who requested. I, t- I tell you, one of the ones we haven't done that I'm probably going to work in next week, one of my favorite modern rock bands, is the Foo Fighters. We haven't done the Foo Fighters yet. We're going to do that one day next week. I love the Foo Fighters. Matter of fact, 
there's a couple of Foo Fighter songs that, uh, you know, if I had to pick like my 20 favorite songs of all time, I'd have a couple of Foo Fighters tracks on there. A lot of inspiration with Dave Grohl. I don't like Nirvana at all, at all. The only good thing to come out of Nirvana was Dave Grohl. And he might have his feelings hurt by me saying that, but that's the reality of it. I, I love the Foo Fighters. I think Foo Fighters is 10 times the band that Nirvana was. All right, let's get to the next segment of the show, brought to you by Campus Bookmark. Campus Bookmart, Stan and Miss Kathy Brown, lovely, talented Susie, Cheyenne, Candy, the whole crew there will treat you like family because in their eyes you are family. Go by and see them today. New arrivals of national championship merch arriving almost daily. And I had a friend tell me yesterday, today, Steve, I ordered some Campus Bookmart stuff two days ago. I got it. You know, everybody kind of had to get caught up after that big national championship spike and mercantilism. But they're back on track. So if you're thinking, ah, I'm just going to wait, you know, you don't have to wait anymore. You can get your order very, very quickly. Again, that's campusbookmart.net. And by being a loyal Boneyard listener, we'll give you a phrase that pays. That's BSR, which stands for Beautiful Steve Robertson. And they get you free shipping on all orders over 50 bucks. Stan told me when they went down there, when I went to go check on them to make sure they were still alive and they were buried underneath all that merchandise. He goes, just about all these things are coming in. I got BSR. And I'm so happy to be able to save you guys some money, but also, too, to partner you with a Starkville company that has been here forever and a day, that is committed to Mississippi State. There's a lot of people that sold national championship merch that just saw it as an opportunity to, to generate some money. And, and listen, I believe in a capitalist society. But there are a lot of people that they don't have a storefront. There are a lot of people that don't have a relationship with you. They said, hey, Let's go print some national championship shirts, and then we'll go advertising on Facebook, and then we'll disappear. You know, we'll sell you your shirts, and then we're gone. That's not the case with Campus Bookmart. These guys have been around. They're going to be around. Go by and see them today, Campus Bookmart. And also, campusbookmart.net, promo code BSR. Again, that's beautiful Steve Robertson saving you some cash on shipping on all orders over 50 bucks. Let's take a quick look ahead at the first week in the Southeastern Conference. I got a couple things I want to talk about here when it comes to the schedule. So the first major college football games will begin actually August the 28th. I'm, I'm sure there's probably one or two of those smaller games that will come on before you kind of ESPN will get them out there because we're so ready for college football. But August 28th, that's, that's the first full weekend, I guess, of, uh, of major college football. There will be some teams that will play Nebraska and Illinois, probably the highlight of the week. Uh, Nebraska and Illinois will be at noon on the 28th. And you got a handful of games. And then, then it kind of gets into kind of filters into that first big weekend. But, you know, we'll have a lot of football to watch kind of from August 28th on. And, again, I'm pretty confident there are some smaller games before then. But uh, let's look at the SEC week one schedule. It's a pretty typical schedule, right, because you're going to have some, you know, you're going to have some uh, FCS teams. You're going to have some lower D1 teams playing uh, on the road. Everybody wants to get off on the right foot. But real quickly, and we'll, as we get closer, obviously we'll pick these games. But Bowling Green is at Tennessee as we begin the Josh Heupel era in Knoxville. It's been awfully quiet about the Tennessee NCAA case. And you recall that was like all in the news, and it, it you know cost Pruitt, and, and they found out that there were some allegations against staffers that guys on the coaching staff were aware of. But it's amazing how quickly that's kind of gone away. Now, I say gone away. It's left the headlines. It hadn't gone away. 
and to Tennessee's credit, you know, they, they took some steps and, uh, you know, fired a bunch of people and Jeremy Pruitt being one of them. And then they had that kind of elongated coaching search and, um, you know, everybody in all of college football wanted to be at Tennessee, uh, which is wrong. And they hired Josh Heupel. And, and you know as well as I do, they had to have made a commitment to Josh to get him to make the jump and saying, hey, listen, your contract doesn't really start until we get through probation. You know, Heupel's probably there you know, for the next few years. Tennessee, if the allegations that have been levied against them publicly are accurate, you know, they're looking at a pretty, you know, sizable probation. Now, as we've seen in recent years, they don't always follow that NCAA penalty matrix, which is kind of one of those things that kind of blows my mind. It's what's the point putting that together? How does that serve as a deterrent if you don't use it? He said, well, we wanted to have some uniformity, and this is kind of like with speeding. If this is the price, if this is the, the speed, and this is the price, so there's transparency with it. But, you know, what's the point putting that thing together if you're not going to use it properly? But I do think Tennessee, you know, has probably got some lean years ahead. UL Monroe is at Kentucky. Every year somebody tries to convince me this is the year for Kentucky. Guys, let me just tell you this. There is no year for Kentucky. But there's not. And, and listen, that's not necessarily a criticism of Mark Stoops. I think Mark Stoops has done a great job at Kentucky. But they're never going to recruit at the level required to win the SEC East. In many respects, they're kind of a mirror program of us, except we're a little bit better. We didn't show it last time we went up there. You know, first year with Leach and uh, you know, Costello, at that point, we still thought we could trust him. But, you know, we're going to kind of be on par with Kentucky. I think that's one of the reasons it makes it such a good SEC East regular opponent for us. And, of course, that will probably change in the years ahead. But, listen, it's not going to be the year for Kentucky. And to be honest with you, I get sick of it. I get so sick and tired of the same people every year. Oh, you got to watch Kentucky. This is the year. No, 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 it's not. It's not the year. And here's the evidence that I – the only evidence that I need is to point out that for the last 10 years you told me to watch for, watch out for Kentucky, and then Kentucky's been Kentucky. And that's not to say Kentucky's a bad program. Again, I think Mark Stoops has done a really good job there. But I think they're tapped out. And I think we owe them a butt whipping when they come down here this year. Rice is at Arkansas. Interesting to see what happens with Sam Pittman this year. And I apologize for that. Uh, you know, Sam, you know, last year kind of surprised some people. Sam is a great motivator. He's also a great offensive line evaluator, teacher, and recruiter. So they're going to be solid on the offensive line as long as Sam is up there. I just don't know if K.J. Jefferson is good enough to win enough games for them to have a winning season this year. You, know, you had Felipe Franks last year. And uh, listen, he made them interesting. He did. And Arkansas got robbed of a game against Auburn. I think we all know that. And Arkansas down the stretch, you know, had some COVID issues. Sam himself had them. And so they were thin down the stretch. I think they'll be about what they were last year. But this is going to be a competitive team until the, until it gets to a point where they realize, you know what, we're kind of we're stuck where we are. I do think Sam is kind of a kind of a placeholder. You know, I think that Arkansas will have to hire somebody here in a couple of years. But I think, you know, I don't think Sam's doing things the right way. And I think they had some cultural issues at Arkansas. You know, Chad Morris, I thought, really was awful up there. And um, and it showed. You know, he clearly didn't connect with the players. Sam appears to have connected with the players. Now he's got to go win some football games. Probably the biggest game of the weekend 
Alabama at Miami. Now, I've talked to some people here as of late that uh, you know, tell me Manny's kind of got his hands full down there. Got his hands full, you know, mainly with, like, alums, you know, former players and that sort of stuff. And they don't seem to understand that the days of the U are over. And you want them back. You do. You know, it's kind of like, you know, some other people. It's like, oh, well, one time we were great. You know, well, the day's passed. Now you're in a conference. You don't get to go pick your schedule anymore. And so, you know, I think Manny will do a good job down there. I think Alabama's going to get after him, though. Now, one thing I will say about Manny Diaz, you give Manny enough time to prepare, he'll bring some exotic blitz packages that might might beat you up a little bit. And so I think Alabama's got to be you know, prepared for that because Manny will find a way to get to the quarterback. That's what he's done when he was at Middle Tennessee State, when he was at Mississippi State, when he was at Texas. They find a way to get to the quarterback. I just don't know if Miami's going to be able to score. That was the thing last year. Miami was just kind of pedestrian at times on offense. But Alabama at Miami, I think that that is a helmet sticker type game. Alabama should win that thing handily. But if I'm if I'm if I'm Nick Saban, I'm probably going to run some max protect with a uh, with a young quarterback in there. We mentioned you know Tech at Mississippi State earlier in the show. Central Michigan is at Missouri. You know I I like Missouri. And I know other people would say, well, Steve, I don't understand. You're so hard on Kentucky. Well, number one, I think Eli Drinkwitz is a better offensive-minded coach. I think that's one of the bigger issues. I think this is a guy that knows scheme. And I think they're going to have some guys back this year to make things interesting. Go ahead. Here's a hot take for you. I don't know how hot it is. It may just be a warm take. Missouri is going to be a factor in the SEC East race because they're going to beat one of the contenders. Now, they'll probably come back and lose, you know, to somebody they shouldn't, like Tennessee. But Missouri is going to beat somebody they shouldn't. You know, we saw it last year when they beat LSU. You know, Missouri is going to be well coached. And we got them last year, and we, we beat them up pretty good. But Mizzou is going to be a team, I think, that gets better. I, I don't, do they go back to being what they were when they first got in the league and they went to the SEC, uh, SEC championship game twice? I don't know about that. I think they benefited from the East kind of being down and uh, having some bad coaches on that side of the conference. But I do think Missouri is going to be an improved team. They're going to beat somebody they're not supposed to. Akron is at Auburn. The Zips, how about that? The Zips coming down there to break in the Harson era at Auburn. I, I think Auburn is going to be good, not great. I think that is a game, too, that um, you know will be easy for Auburn, and they'll probably put up a ton of points and get everybody all excited. I think Auburn is probably a 500 team in the league this year. A lot of moving parts to that offense. And uh, I do think Bo Nix is better than people give him credit for. I've had a lot of people that say, Steve, I don't know why you're such a fan. I think, number one, because in the scheme, he's such a good athlete. And, goodness, you, you saw when State played him, you know, every time that we would, we would get some pressure on him, he would just run away from the pressure. Didn't always complete the pass, but it's so hard to get him on the ground. And he is a guy, when things break down, can make things happen with his feet. I think Bo Nix is going to have a better year. I don't know that Auburn has a better year. They lose a lot, you know, on defense. But uh, but we'll see. Again, I I think Bo Nix is better than a lot of people give him credit. Eastern Illinois, going to play South Carolina. If I'm not mistaken, that's where Corey Charles is. So, Corey, good luck there at Eastern Illinois. Uh, South Carolina breaking in the Shane Beamer era. Should be an easy ball game for them to win. Uh, South Carolina, again, is probably, you know, two or three years away, I think, from really being a solid ball team. I think they've got some things to kind of figure out. I don't think they're quite as talented as some people have suggested. 
I think Shane's a guy that'll work hard, though, to get it right on the recruiting side of things. And I don't, listen, I respect the guy for going out there shooting at the moon, trying to get Zach Arnett to come be his defensive coordinator. Makes a lot of sense to me. Didn't work out. Florida Atlantic at Florida. A lot of people picking Florida to win the East. I'm not. I'm not. Now, they'll handle Florida Atlantic. But, you know, I, I could see Florida Atlantic hanging around for a little while. You know how Dan is. Dan doesn't hit the gas. You know, he'll just kind of hang around for a while, and then just when it gets a little bit uncomfortable, he'll, you know, he'll shift in the fourth or something. You know, Florida will be able to out-athlete FAU. I, I don't have Florida winning the East. I have Georgia winning the East. It's another marquee game coming up that night, Georgia at Clemson. That is going to be a very interesting ball game. If it was at Athens, I would probably pick Georgia to win. I don't know what Clemson's going to have. Um, come game time. You don't replace Trevor Lawrence and be better in week one. That's not to say that Clemson's not going to be a great team and contend in the ACC. But I think Georgia's got a shot to go win this thing over at Clemson. And that would really shake things up in the early going. I really like Georgia. I've got Georgia winning the East. In fact, I've got Georgia winning the SEC. They may lose this ball game, But I think Georgia behind JT Daniels has a chance to be really, really good. They had a young wide receiver nucleus last year. They'll be better. I think they're going to be a much better football team this year. They're always athletic on defense. That's just kind of how Kirby recruits. They're always, in many respects, almost on par with Alabama on defense. They have struggled at times to have good quarterback play. I think JT Daniels gives them that. All right, Kent State, our friends from baseball, the Golden Flashes, will be at Texas A&M as they begin life after Kellen Mond. And I don't think that's going to be much difference in that respect, even though I thought Kellen Mond was really good last year. I think, I think Kellen Mond is an above-average quarterback that played good last year. He was not good throughout his career, and they were a veteran team last year at A&M and nearly made the playoffs. Well, now you, you're kind of at the end of a talent cycle, so how do, you, how do you fix it? You know, what do you do? Is it sustainable? I don't know that it is, even though I think Texas A&M is recruited at a pretty high level. They've also had some kids leave. They'll have no trouble with Kent State. But, you know, A&M, are they third in the West? Are they fourth in the West? You know, what do we see? They have been chronic underachievers. underachievers. Uh, I looked up these numbers recently. I believe in the years that they have been, since 2012, since they've been in the league, they've had a winning record in the SEC just three times. Yeah. Eastern Tennessee is at Vanderbilt. You know, the Lee era begins at Vanderbilt. You know, that this should be a game they should win handily. Vanderbilt is kind of anemic offensively. They don't have a lot of skill players. I know that they talk a good game, and they're going to recruit it at uh, you know, probably a level a little more consistent with what they did under James Franklin, and they're going to prioritize the greater Nashville area to get those kids to stay home. And so I do think they'll recruit better than Derek Mason did. I don't know that they'll get quite to the level that James Franklin did, but it'll be interesting to see what they do. This is a group that obviously is very committed to Nashville, and they love Vanderbilt. It's not just a you know a stop in the road for them. So I think that staff will do a good job learning how to sell Vanderbilt. LSU is at UCLA. Now, this is another one of those games, too, you look at and say, you know, it's a helmet sticker tie game, but how good a game can it be? That's a million-dollar question. You know, I, I think that the thing with UCLA is, is, okay, if you're, if you're UCLA, you look at it and say, okay, well, 
sooner or later we're going to get this thing back on track, right? Sooner or later we're going to be better than we were the last decade or so. And, and UCLA shouldn't have any excuse, you know, for a lack of talent. And it's difficult to really know, you know, you know how good they were last year when you know everything was so crazy out there in the Pac-12, and which is kind of consistently the case. They went three and four a year ago. Yeah, who knows? You know, three and four, and they lose to Stanford in, in double overtime, 48-47. Uh, yeah, you got to like LSU, but I'll tell you, you know, I could see Ed Orgeron losing this game. You got to travel across country, and, uh, you know, you've kind of recruited with all this hype, and all of a sudden everybody's going out to L.A., and it's Hollywood, and, you know, I, I could see some guys going out there being silly. It's going to be an incredible environment, I'm sure. Not if it was played at Tiger Stadium, it'd be different. But, you know, what has happened to LSU when you look at all the things that have happened, you know, off the field, and then Miles Brennan now gone for the year, and you hate that, man. You absolutely hate that for that kid. You know, that's the thing. Last year, you know, Miles Brennan, a lot of people had these high expectations of him, and, and, and it really, they really weren't fair. And then he gets hurt, and he tries to play through it, and uh, – and all of a sudden, people are like, oh, well, you know, now all of a sudden they got these two young quarterbacks. The Miles Brennan era is over. And then Finley transfers. And then Johnson ends up being the guy down the stretch. And a lot of people thought Brad Johnson was going to transfer, Brad Johnson. But uh, you understand my point. But Miles Brennan was expected to be the guy this year. He's not. That's not to say LSU was quarterback poor by any stretch of the imagination. But LSU has had to endure a lot. Now, at Orgeron handles this remains to be seen. And, again, it's one of those things, too. It's like this stuff stays in the headlines. There's all these lawsuits, all these allegations. There's all this, uh, you know, talk about sexual misconduct. And, and then there's all the NCAA stuff and there's Title IX stuff. There's the Department of Education investigations. It's almost like there has just been this us-against-the-world mentality at LSU. And that could be a feast or famine proposition for Ed Orgeron. That could be one of those things you look at and say – we can make this our rallying cry or we can make it our epitaph. I, th I think that this LSU team has some talent and they'll win this first ball game. But I, I think over the course of the season, some of these chickens are going to come home to roost. There gonna be some, you know, there's going to be some of these things, whether it be the NCAA case or whatever, there's going to be some things that will come up that could be distractions. And I think those are the things you look at and you begin to wonder, you know, how will they handle that? How will they handle some additional adversity? It's not slowed them down on the recruiting trail by any stretch. All right, final game is going to be, I guess, that Monday. Is it not? Let's see here. Let me make sure I got this right. That's the old Miss game, right? Yeah, that's the Monday game. And that's uh, on ESPN at night, uh, Louisville at Ole Miss. I, I like the game. I really do. I think it'll be an entertaining game. Uh, Louisville, not good last year. Four and seven. And so, you know, Ole Miss should win this ball game, and I think Matt Corral could probably go out on the national stage and really kind of, you know, kind of establish himself, you know, as a guy that's a bona fide all-SEC type guy. But, you know, it's going to be interesting what the Ole Miss defense looks like. Because here's the deal with them. If, if, if you know, if you can get a couple of stops of the Ole Miss offense, you got a chance to win the ball game because they've been so bad defensively. Now, to hear them tell it, oh, you know, we're going to be much better. Well, we've heard that for a decade now. I mean, Ole Miss has been historically bad on defense. And then, you know, every so often I'll, I'll read the comments and the social media posts from 
You know, there's some state fans out there that really want their old Miss friends to like him and say, oh, he's one of the better ones because he likes us too. Well, that's never going to be me. They were not better on defense last year. They were not. They, were, they haven't been better. And part of the issue is because when you don't know how to evaluate defensive players and then you put them out there and you say, oh, well, this guy should be able to be great because he chose us. You know, when is the last time that Ole Miss put a defensive lineman in the National Football League? I'll wait. I mean, I'm still waiting. And so we lose a guy to them and they think, oh, my gosh, you know, what's going to happen? Maybe the tide is turning. No, it's not. When, you, when you're out there recruiting offensive linemen to play defensive line, you kind of get what you get. And so I don't think this Ole Miss defense is going to be any better. Um, and and I, I don't care, you know, how many media relations <clears throat> articles they send out there. I uh, saw that Jonathan Haynes has entered the transfer portal. He was a guy that started a lot. And, of course, the uh, the spin came out immediately. Is always in a portal he wasn't going to start this year. You know, guys, listen, whether he was or wasn't going to start this year, when you lose a guy that's got that many games of SEC experience, it, it's, it's a negative. You can spin it how you want, whether he's a two-deeper or not. You know, it's nice to have that guy around. It, it, what if there's an injury? Okay, so he loses the job in fall camp. But what happens when that, the first-teamer goes down or when the first-teamer gets a stinger or the first-teamer uh, has to get his leg retape? Oh, we're just going to throw a freshman out there? We well, just get four stars. Yeah, we've been there before. So I do like Ole Miss to win that ball game. But uh, I do think Ole Miss will be fun to watch offensively. I mean, Matt Corral has some extremely gifted arm talent. I mean, you saw that early on. I mean, you know, and yeah, I know that there's been a lot of jokes made about him and that sort of stuff, but – and there's no denying the kid's talent. Now, decision-making at times has been a bit of an issue. You know, whether it be Arkansas or LSU, there's times that he is a little bit too trusting of his receivers. But they should not really have any trouble with this ballgame. If they lose this ballgame, they're in trouble, not just in the ballgame, but for the year. they got to go out there and play. And I, I do think there are going to be a lot of teams that go out there and try to shorten the game on Ole Miss to keep their offense on the sidelines. I think a lot of people will go out there and run the football against them uh, against that defense. Because, they, listen, they lost so much on the defensive front last year. I just don't see how they're going to be able to stop anybody. So, all right, next segment of the show, we're going to talk some recruiting brought to you by Portico. Portico, a great residential development right here in Starkville, Mississippi. Many of you have always had the dream of moving to Starkville or moving back to Starkville. Make that dream a reality by reaching out to our friends at Portico. Brooks Bryan, one of the developers, former Diamond Dog superstar Brooks Bryan, a guy that's committed to Starkville, a guy that's committed to Mississippi State, wants to make sure that your community is great. Very, very appreciative of Brooks and this fine group of developers. And um, so, which reminds me that uh, I've spoke to Brooks recently, and he says, you know, listen, we're getting this thing rolling on phase two. This is all, this is all getting going. We're getting excited about this. Phase one, nearly complete. Just about every house in the development is gone now. So if you want to move now, you need to go ahead and make a call. And if you want to move in the months ahead, they can help you with that too. So I think it's important that we kind of fully appreciate the fact that this is a great development near campus, just over a mile away. You turn off of 82 on 12 like you're going to campus. Very, very easy to get to. You take that first right, which is Pat Station Road. You pass over all West Point Road. There it is. That's how close it is. You're basically one turn away from Mississippi State. That's how close it is. You can run down the end of your driveway. You can even smell Davis Wade Stadium from your house. That's how close you are. 
and there's that great neighborhood uh, Walmart market right there for convenience sake. So uh, go by, check them out today. If you need more information, and I'm sure you do, give Brooks a call. Brooks, a great guy, a great friend of mine, a guy that uh, you need to know, and will probably have some great stories about Pat McMahon that Ron Polky can tell you. Uh, 601-416-8075. Again, that's 601-416-8075. Whether it's your primary residence, your home away from home, or even an investment property, Brooks can answer all your questions. Let's talk some recruiting. So on Monday, we talked about Javay Gilmore. We expected him to announce, and I kind of let the cat out of the bag. And um, I don't think it was a real surprise. But uh, Javay, you know, kind of uh, out there slapping people around us a little bit, too, with his, uh, with his announcement. He puts his commitment video out there and says he's committed. That it has the LSU logo, you know, for for a few seconds, and then it, there's an explosion. And there's a picture of him wearing the maroon and white. It says committed, you know, to Mississippi State. Interesting. <laughs> I don't know that I've ever seen one quite like that one. I, you know, I've seen people, you know, throw the hat, which I'm not a fan of, but uh, a little bit of an okie doke there. I know LSU saw him as a tight end. We saw him as a linebacker. He wants to play defense. I don't know how serious LSU has been about him. Um, already got a couple of guys committed. I think they, they have kind of, you know, earmarked as tight ends. But I, I'm excited about him, and I think you should be too. I mean, this is a guy, too, that's got a ton of offers. We talked about him a little bit on Monday's show. I'm going to run this down for you real quick here. Just because I know, you know, for some of us, it's not who we get, but it's who we beat to get him. And so, and that's cool, too, you know. Um, you know, I'm, I'm a firm believer if we want players that have options, but I also want players that, uh, that Mississippi State wants, that they feel like that fits. Matt Brock has done a great job recruiting uh, Javay Gilmore. He had offers from us, Arkansas, Florida State, Georgia Tech, Kentucky, LSU, Memphis, North Carolina, North Texas, Ole Miss, SMU, South Alabama, South Carolina, Southern University of Virginia, and a few more. This is a guy that can really play. I watched his film – Really, for the first time yesterday, I wrote a little bit of a scouting report on that. There's a couple things that I like about him. The first thing you look at is length. Like, as soon as you turn the film on, he really jumps off the page. You know exactly who you're there to watch. But also, just competitiveness. It doesn't matter if he is lined up with a two-point stance and chasing the quarterback as a seven technique, or if he's got his hand in the ground, um, you know, trying to play, get some leverage in a short-yarded situation. There are times they'll walk him up because he plays some. It's a strong safety. They move him all over the place. But sometimes they'll walk up in the box, and he's not scared to, to, to take on those guards or the interior offensive linemen. And a lot of times he beats them. And he gets inside leverage, and the next thing you know, he blows a play up. He's a guy that can get out in coverage. He's a guy that when he can't quite get there to the quarterback on the rush, he can get his arms up and bat a ball down, or he can you know impact a throw. And maybe that doesn't show up in a stack column other than an incompletion. But this is a guy that competes on every play. There are a lot of guys you turn on the film and, like, they play really well when the ball goes their direction. But Javay Gilmore tries to make every tackle. This is a guy that plays with tremendous amount of effort. I can see why he has so many offers because this is a guy that never feels like he's out of the play. When they line him up on offense, they can throw the fade to him. And because he is so long and has such a great catch radius, he'll elevate and he competes for the football. So you've got a guy that's got freakish measurables. His wingspan is ridiculous. And you've got a guy that is a ultra competitor. And you've got a guy that wants to be at Mississippi State. 
you know, that's a big win. He's the highest rated commitment in the class, and I'm not even going to get started on the rankings. I'm kind of upset about that right now. But, uh, you know, Javay is just one of those guys that you look at and you say, you know, we were probably going to take two, maybe three linebackers in this class. And then when Gilmore wants to come and all of a sudden that maybe becomes, oh, we're definitely taking three linebackers in this class because we're still saving a spot for Stone Blanton. And so when you begin to think about Khalid Moore, stud, Stone Blanton, stud, Javay Gilmore, stud, this could be one of the better linebacking groups that we've signed in a long time. Somebody asked me, is this the best one ever? I, I always kind of I'm, – I'm a little hesitant to get involved with ever because ever is a really long time. You know, I was really excited about the group we signed a few years back, you know, with Nathaniel Watson and Jet Johnson and Aaron Brule. But you had some guys in that group that were learning to play linebacker. You know, Nathaniel Watson thought he was a wide receiver. Jet knew he was a linebacker. Aaron Brule was a safety. And now you look at Aaron Brule now and you think, how do we ever think he was a safety? He's a freak. This group is much different because these guys are already linebackers. And so they know a lot of the checks. They know the nuances of the game and the position. And so I think their learning curve is going to be that much better. They're not going to have to get out there and kind of learn as we go. They're not going to need, you know, a spring practice or maybe even a redshirt year to understand what's expected of them. And listen, Zach Arnett's a guy that played linebacker in this scheme. And he was a GA and eventually a linebacker coach and a DC in this scheme. This guy knows what he needs in linebackers. So not only are you getting true linebackers, and because we have signed a lot of guys that have been just athletes, we've made them backers, and we've had some real success with that. This is a little different. You're going to bring some guys with some practical playing experience that I think are going to come in and hit the ground running, and they're also kind of handpicked by Matt Brock and Zach Arnett. And so these are their guys to fit their scheme. And so Zach Arnett knows some experience what it takes to be successful as a player in this scheme. And so if he's out there chasing these guys, I begin to think to myself, well, those are the guys that I want. You know, I might look at film, might see something differently, but you know what? I'm always going to defer to the guy making the calls. That's the guy. And if there's any coach on this staff that you look at and say, hey, that guy has probably earned the benefit of the doubt right now, it's probably Zach Arnett. And you think about how great that defensive – unit play last year kind of shorthanded at times most of the time what's he going to do when he's got the full complement of his players what's he going to do when he has his guys and listen there will come a point when Zach Arnett's going to leave we all know this we all know that. I don't know that it is this year I don't know that I know that he's happy here I know his family's here but he also has some ambition he wants to be a head coach someday but I think he's a guy too that if he's patient you know, rather than him having to go out there and take a job, maybe at Akron or Buffalo or something like that, he has an opportunity to get a better job, has an opportunity to get, you know, maybe a, a more established G5 job or potentially a low power five job with enough experience. You know, what's interesting is I think, you know, last year, you know, a lot of people, a lot of the critics and the talking heads were saying, well, you know, I mean, how good can this Arnett guy be? Because, you know, Rocky Long called the plays at San Diego State. Zach was just kind of a placeholder, a guy that ran practice and coached linebackers. And then, you know, a season later, he is the most sought-after defensive coordinator candidate in the country. So maybe Mike Leach knew a little something. You know, Mike Leach knew Rocky Long, for one. Mike Leach and Rocky have been friends for a long time. So if Rocky Long says, hey, this is the young guy you need to go get, Mike Leach listens. 
And I think Mike also loves to 335. And I think in, in the event and when the time comes that Zach Arnett leaves, I think, you know, maybe you promote Matt Brock. I think you want to maintain the 335, or we do. I, I think because of its unique characteristics and the fact that we have changed some things uh, and it's been tweaked to the modern era, you know, Rocky Long took Joe Lee Dunn's concepts and then kind of modernized them against today's spread offenses and found some real success with it. And so I think Mike Leach likes being a little bit unorthodox. And so I think we'll probably stick with that. And so when, when Zach Lee's, maybe, maybe you promote Matt Brock. Maybe you go out and get another Rocky Long disciple. I'm not sure. But I think the 335 is here to stay. It's just my personal opinion. I, I think Leach really likes, you know, making teams squirm a little bit. Because everything changes when you face the 335. I mean, it, it changes your protections. It changes your splits a little bit. You know, and, and you only got a week to get ready. And it's difficult to get everybody comfortable in a week. Oh, well, here's the mic. Oh, well, the, the, it's not the mic. They changed. They split just before the, uh, the pre-snap. You know, there's always something. And you never know where the pressure's coming from. There's just a lot of, there's a lot of you know, feints with this. You know, sometimes this guy's coming, sometimes he's not. We show blitz here and we bring it somewhere else. You know, we put you in a guessing game. I think Mike Leach enjoys that aspect of it. And so, when I, again, going back to linebacker recruiting, I, I think, you know, if Zach Arnett and Matt Brock are in one accord, if they see life and football the same way, then Matt Brock's going to understand what these guys need to do if he is eventually your defensive coordinator. I have had multiple people in the coaching profession and in agent circles tell me that Matt Brock will be a head coach someday. Nobody talks about him as much. This is a guy that loves recruiting. This is a guy that coaches your special teams. And, you know, listen, I thought special teams took a huge step forward last year. We had a couple of mistakes. You know, we had a block punt against uh, A&M. I think we had two mistakes all year on special teams. But we were a we're light years ahead of what we were under Joe Moorhead on special teams. And listen, I, I think Joey Jones is a great guy. But we were not good on special teams when he was our special teams coordinator. That's the reality of it. That's not a personal shot at him by any stretch of the imagination. But we weren't very good on special teams. We were last year. We were good last year on special teams. And we'll get even better this year. Brandon Ruiz is back. Obviously, Tucker Day is back. You know, so you've got, you know, you've got some real pieces there. But our coverage units were great. And I think Matt Brock is a big, big reason behind that. And so when I began to think long term, and I said, let's say Zach Arnett takes a head coaching job. I don't, you know, I don't know. You know, you know, somewhere back to north. I don't know. Maybe somebody gives him an opportunity. Maybe he goes to Cincinnati or something. Who knows? I don't know what Fickle's going to do. But let's say Zach leaves. I think, I think you can easily promote from within and then maintain your defensive culture. I think it's a whole lot easier to go out there and hire another guy, you know, to coach special teams and, and then your Sam Backer and let Matt Brock take the reins of D.C. I don't know what Mike Leach is thinking, but that makes good sense to me. So we also talk about, you know, what else there is out there. Davian Collins is a guy that's going to announce his decision August 25th. That's three weeks from today. Really feel good about where Mississippi State stands with him. And you say, well, Steve, I don't understand why we're taking on the corner. Well, it's because I think we're probably fixing to drop a couple corners. Uh, Tyler Woodard, Jeterius Elam did not show for camp. You know, to give Woodard credit, he came and worked out in June, and he wasn't healthy. And he didn't have good workout. But he wasn't healthy. He tried to grind through it, so I have some respect for that. Jeterius Elam came, didn't work out, and then didn't come back when it was time to work out this time. And so what does that tell me? 
You know, what, what is it we're trying to hide? And some would argue, well, you know, you've seen the film. You know, well, maybe I've seen enough of the film to feel like, you know what, I want this kid. But also maybe I need to see some more things in person and see how he takes coaching and see how he responds to the stimuli that I put him under, you know, in a coaching type situation. You know, maybe I'm sold, but maybe I'm not completely sold until I get a chance to have him verify my evaluation of him. And so one of the things that I've learned about recruiting is you're not going to trick somebody into giving you a scholarship. I mean, you, you can package your highlight video as best you possibly can. You can have your friend put together a real great edit that goes viral. But if you can't play football, you can't play football. And there are a lot of people out there that are capable of playing at a lower level that can't play in a Southeastern Conference. And so, you know, I think it is a red flag when guys don't come to camp unless they have a real reason. Jackson Cannon did not come to camp in July. He came in June. And contrary to what some guys uh, out there don't maybe fully appreciate, Xavier Harris, big defensive tackle from Germantown, committed to Ole Miss. Jackson Cannon handled him really well. Really well. Really well. Jackson Cannon couldn't make it to top dog camp this time because they're already practicing football. Uh, Cameron East didn't make it. Cam East has already worked out with our coaches. You know, we just really wanted him to come back and hang out with the players and kind of hang out with other guys and maybe help with some recruiting. And uh, there was some miscommunication. You know, he and his uh, his coach didn't fully understand, you know, what the weekend was about. They just brought some other kids up here to work out. And Cam would have absolutely come. Cam's still solid as he can be. And so, you know, it's it's a different situation. If you've come and worked out in June, you've kind of erased all questions about – your ability and your willingness to take coaching and your your ability to kind of handle a practice, what's expected of you. When you don't work out and you get a second opportunity to do it and you don't, I think it raises some red flags. And when you're on so many defensive backs, and there are a lot of great defensive backs available in the Southeast this year, I'm going to go get the kid that wants to work out. You go, you go sign who you want. I'm going to go sign the kid that wants to work out. Now, it's different if he's a five-star kid that's got, you know, electric tape or whatever. You know, sometimes, you know, but, you know, those, those kids genuinely want to compete anyway. I always feel like when a guy doesn't want to run and a guy doesn't want to do one-on-ones, there's something wrong. He's hiding something. He's trying to trick me. Because if you're totally committed to me and you're completely confident in your ability, why wouldn't you want to go work out? Why wouldn't you want to go get to know your coach better? Why wouldn't you want to go out there and show them what you can do? Why, do you, why, why wouldn't you want to go impress them? I, listen, I remember being an upperclassman, you know, at Columbia High School, you know, and I wanted my coaches to like me. But I wanted them to like me not just because I was funny or because I was always on time, but it was because of the guy that I was coachable and that I was an attribute and an asset to the team. I was a guy that was going to go out there and do it right in practice. I enjoyed being evaluated. I enjoyed being coached because I wanted to get better. I didn't just want to be on the team. I just didn't want to have my CHS soccer hoodie to walk around on the game day and everybody goes, oh, we play soccer. No, I didn't care about any of that stuff. I wanted to be the best I could be. And if you want to be the best you could be, you're willing to accept coaching. I wanted people to tell me when I was doing something wrong. That, that's still true in my life today. Just had a discussion yesterday you know, with my agent about Dogpile, the new book. We already got a dozen chapters in, got a dozen edited. And I said, hey, tell me how I can make it better. Tell me where I'm at. What did I do wrong? What I, he's like, hey, this is good. This is good. Listen, but tell me what I did wrong. I want to get better. When I go out and speak to young writers, it's one of the things that I talk about is when you get to the end of this thing, there is no end of the thing. You want to get better as a writer. 
Anybody that thinks they have arrived needs to go ahead and quit. And it's not just writing. It's not just sports. But everybody should welcome feedback. Everybody should welcome information. People that are scared of information, people that are scared of feedback, are people that are insecure in their abilities. I want to be around people that want to be winners. I want people that want to get better. I want people that are always about trying to find a way to gain some advantage. And so when guys don't come to camp, when guys are scared to get evaluated, you got to move on. And people say, oh, well, Steve, I mean, come on. No, 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 no. I don't have an obligation to that kid. Not in August. I might have one in December. I don't have one in August. Still got the full benefit of his senior year. He's got other offers to choose from. But when I get these red flags and a guy comes in here and doesn't want to get better, didn't want to get to know me, didn't want to deepen our relationship, we got to make a move. It's as simple as that. Listen, Mike Leach is not running a Boy Scout chapter. He's, we're playing in a Southeastern Conference. And so Mike and the staff have to go get the most competitive, most talented players to fit our culture and our system and are coming here and embrace the Mississippi State way of doing things. And if you can't step up and show me that you're that guy, you got to go. Simple as that. And so, yeah, there are going to be some adjustments. Go ahead and get ready for it. Now, of course, you're, you're all, you're, there's going to be people in the Facebook groups, oh, my gosh, what in the world's going on? You'll already know, and you can go ahead and correct them. They don't know. But you can go ahead and let them know. Yeah, we already knew this was coming. And it's not, it's not, it's like, it's, it's like, I remember like when I was, uh, yeah, I, I was working for this guy and, uh, and, and at Orleans Furniture and, uh, I hated that job. Oh, it was miserable, but it was hard work and it was an honest day's living. And so I did what I had to do and so I could do what I wanted to do. And, uh, I remember a couple guys got fired and, uh, I just kind of asked him about it. I was like, Hey, you know, did you fire him? He goes, no, they fired themselves. They fired themselves because they didn't do the things that we needed them to do. And so I've always remembered that. You know, there are a lot of people out there, they're just, you know, just kind of going to give you the minimum effort and they'll stay around as long as you let them. And uh, that just didn't work in the Southeastern Conference. All right, let's get out of here. Again, thanks so much for your support of the Boneyard. If you're looking for Stark Villains gear, go to StarkVillains.com. You get T-shirts, hoodies, and it's going to be cooler. Uh, before you know it, you'll be glad you got one. Again, that's T-shirt and hoodies at StarkVillains.com. Com. And again, August 7th, this Saturday, Lemuria Books, 2 o'clock to 3 o'clock, book signing down there. You come get whatever you want. Come hang out, say hello. It's nice when we get a chance to visit. I look forward to, to visiting with you guys again. That's Lemuria Books this Saturday from 2 to 3 o'clock in Jackson, uh, Mississippi. Until next time, let's all live our lives in a way we'll make more friends than enemies and people can see a difference in the way we live. What do we have? Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers Hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.